At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we kick off the new year, we invite you to tune into our current series, The Forgotten Virtue, Learning to Love Again, where we'll discover how God defines love, Christ personifies love, and the Spirit empowers us to love one another. Together, we'll experience healing and hope in the love God designed for us, a love we carry through every season of life. Would you give up? You can give God like a hand. That's great. It is a privilege and a pleasure to be here this, this morning with you. It's been over a year since I've had the privilege of being here, but then again, um, it's not because um, it's been boring. It's, it's quite, quite a, <laughs> this last year has been quite adventurous for all of us and, and, and for my family as well, as I'm sure for all of you. But um, when I'm not uh, being the substitute teacher, um, my family and I go to uh, Troy and where we serve and we're on um, part of the elder team and now I'm part of the teaching team so they send me, well, almost everywhere. I have been to 12 of the 14 campuses that we have as Woodside and um, we're, par- we're glad to be part of Woodside and gar- glad to be part of the wider family of God. Today is the fifth Sunday as Pastor Ryan talked about. There are only three fifth Sundays a year. So this fifth Sunday and every fifth Sunday, we have a family Sunday. That's why the children are all here. Jesus said, let the children come unto me, for such is the kingdom of God, right? And so we at Woodside, we love our children, and we want them to participate in our service so that they can see what we adults do on Sunday morning. But more importantly than that, so that you and I as adults can watch them. Because faith in their hearts is so much more beautiful than faith in ours, isn't it? Because when they believe, they believe wholeheartedly, without doubt, without fear, without any restrictions or qualifications, they love and they believe purely. So we can be encouraged by the way they live and by the way they love and by the way they believe. Amen? And so together, we're going to worship God. And so as we now come to the Word and spend some time in God's Word, I just want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, pull it out. We're going to turn to a passage in just a moment. But before we do... I'm going to say a a line of a a song I learned a long time ago. And I'm willing to bet many of you have sung this song as well. Children uh, that are in the room, I'm hoping you know this song. So I'm going to ask you, after I say the first line, I want you to shout out the second line at the top of your lungs. Are you good? Right? Hey, Shoshana, I just want to say thank you. I wish I knew how to, uh, not Shoshana, Shana. Stasha. Stasha, I'm so sorry. It was an S. I had a, it was a try. I wish I had the ability to pray like you did at, at, seven, at age seven. I was, I was blessed. Thank you. But she's going to help me. So is Judah and Ezra and, and Wendell and, and Caleb and a whole host of children who are here today. I'm going to say the first line, and you're going to shout out the second line. Parents, you can help, all right? Don't be bashful. Jesus loves me, this I know. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Great job. Okay, parents, hush. Children, this is your turn. This is just you. You're going to have to show off that you guys have big sets of lungs. Ready? Jesus loves me. This I know. Amen. Amen. It's the first song I learned in Sunday school. And I'm pretty sure many of you, for many of you, that was perhaps one of the first songs you learned, specifically in Sunday school. Jesus loves me. This I know for the... Bible tells me so. So easy to sing. But I'm willing to bet that many of us, while we may say it, 
might have a hard time believing it. That we have so many things in our life, so, many bro- so much brokenness in our life, so many mistakes that we've made, that while it's easy to sing that song, it's really, really hard to believe it. I'm willing to bet that there are seasons in life where that's difficult to believe. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. So how do we experience that love? How do we go beyond our mistakes? How do we go beyond our shortcomings? How do we go beyond our brokenness to know that we know that Jesus loves me? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, We can do that because the second line says, because the Bible tells me so. And that's exactly where we're going to go. We're going to go to the Bible. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. And that's where we're going to be this morning. We actually are in a series in the book of 1 John. This letter written by the Apostle John, written so that we might know that we know that we believe. And so we're in the second part of this letter. We're in chapter 4, and we have been learning to love again. And that's the essence of what this letter has been talking about. We have been learning this forgotten virtue, learning to love again. Last week in verses 7 through 12, we saw that the the reality is that God is love. And because of that definition of love that we looked at last week, we saw the implications of what that looks like lived out in our lives. This week, we're going to go one step further, not only looking at the implications of the truth that God is, in fact, love, we're going to look at how we can experience that love in, in very specific ways. So as we look at verses 13 to 21, verses that are so packed with truth that I wish I could spend a week, we have a week, right? We can just keep going, right? Sorry, guys, I'm just going to get some pizza in here. We're just going to keep going. No, in the few minutes I do have, we're just going to look at 13 to 21, and we're going to look at how we can experience the love of God. As God is love, how do we experience that in our lives? And the Apostle John is going to show us that ultimately that experience comes through our faith in Jesus Christ because to believe in Jesus is to know God's love. To believe in Jesus is to know God's love. And so John wants us to know, but not knowing just in a head knowledge kind of way. Knowing is more than just head knowledge. Children, how many of you like math? All right. I know there's some of you, you guys are really smart. Adults, how many of you like math? Yeah, not a lot. Look around. (laughs) But we know math. But do you know math? Do you experience math? John wants to take us from a head knowledge of Jesus to a heart experience of Jesus. He wants to connect what's in our head to what's in our heart and what's in our experience. And that's what John is trying to do. And so as we look at the truth that to believe in Jesus is to know God's love, he's going to give us three ways that we can know that we know God's love. And the first way that we can do that is we can know God's love in us. We can know God's love in us. Notice what verses 13 to 16 tell us. John writes, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. 
So last week we saw the definition of love, that God is love, and so he defines love by his righteous standard. Today we're going to look at the experience of knowing that love in our lives, that God's love is known in us. And he starts here by telling us that we can know that love when we come to know Jesus Christ. In fact, there's a theological term that is known for what verse 13 tells us, and that is mutual indwelling. God lives in us, and we live in Him. That's what John 15 said, right? If you abide in me and I in you, right? We get to abide in Jesus, and Jesus abides in us. In fact, Jesus said it this way in John chapter 14. He said, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 20 says, in that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Mutual indwelling. The moment you come to know Jesus by faith, the Spirit of God comes to dwell in you and you get to dwell in him. Do you realize how powerful that truth is? Easy to say, but the implication of the fact that the creator of the universe is choosing to dwell in you and in me is powerful. It's a wonderful truth that we get to abide in him and he in us. I don't know if you paid attention to the end of verse number 13, but John says there at the end of verse 13 that God has given us of his spirit. By that phrase, given us of his spirit, it means that God has given us something out of his spirit. So I'm sure you're asking the question, but what has he given us out of the spirit? Well, I'm I'm glad you asked. You see, out of the spirit, there are two things that God has given us out of the spirit. It's in verses 14 and 15. In verse 14, John tells us that out of God's spirit, he has given us the ability to know that God sent Jesus into the world to be the savior of the world. You realize that God sent Jesus as Savior because the world needed to be saved. You realize that, right? That that the Bible tells us that you and I, we were helpless, hopeless, lost in our sins, that we were enemies of God, dead in our sins and our trespasses, that there was nothing we could do to help ourselves. Amen? We, We were hopeless. We needed somebody to come along and save us. And that's what God did. He sent to us the person of Jesus Christ, and God sent Jesus into the world to save the world. And that's the only reason that we can experience the love of God. And by the way, this, this isn't a fairy tale. This isn't some story we read in the pages of some dusty book. It's real. It's fact. Because John, as he writes these words, he was an eyewitness to these facts. He saw Jesus, heard him teach, saw the miracles, saw the crucifixion, experienced with his eyes the resurrected Jesus Christ. And so he writes these words down, and the Holy Spirit takes these words and tells our heart and convinces us that this is truth. That's what the Spirit does. He convinces us of the truth of God's Word. And in verse number 15, not only does the Spirit convince us that it is true, He enables us to confess the fact that Jesus is God. You see, that's the point at which everything changes in our lives, is the moment we confess Jesus as Lord, everything changes. You know, Paul said something very similar in Romans chapter 10. He said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be... 
Oh, church, we got to do a little better. Let's try that again. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, you will be saved. Amen. You will be saved. It's not, a, it's not a qualified statement, is it? It's not a if, maybe, sort of, kind of, hope so statement. You will be saved. You can bet your life on it. That kind of statement. The Holy Spirit not only convinces us that the word is true. It helps us confess Jesus as Lord. Because the moment you confess Jesus as Lord, the promise is that the Spirit of God comes to dwell in us and we get to dwell in Him. That's how we experience the love of God in us. It starts with our confession that Jesus is Lord. I'll read for you what Richard Baxter said about this passage about the love of God living in us. Notice what he said. He said, Is it a small thing in your eyes to be loved by God? To be the son, the spouse, the beloved, the delight of the king of glory. Christian, believe this and think about it. You will be eternally embraced in the arms of the love which was from everlasting and will extend to everlasting. Of the love which brought the son of God's love from heaven to earth, from the earth to the cross, from the cross to the grave, from the grave to glory. That love which was weary, hungry, tempted, scorned, scourged, beaten, spat upon, crucified, pierced. Love which fasted, prayed, taught, healed, wept, sweated, blood, and died, that love will eternally embrace you. Is it a small thing to be embraced by the creator of the universe? Friends, the moment you say yes to Jesus, he comes to live in you, and you experience in you the love of God. Amen? Maybe you're here today and you've never experienced that love. Can I just say we're very thankful that you're here today. There's no better place for you to be. But if you're here and, and you're running and you're trying to find all of the answers yourselves and yet all you can find are the broken pieces of yourself laying around, Jesus is inviting you to come to him. Folks, we can hide behind all sorts of things. Hide behind our busyness hide behind our stuff, hide behind drugs and alcohol, hide behind all sorts of things, and yet none of that is going to satisfy the longing in our heart to be loved, to be embraced by the eternal God with an all-encompassing kind of love. My friends, if that's you, all you have to do is say no to your sin and yes to him. And it's the Spirit of God that allows you to do that if you will just surrender to his voice. If you would just say, Lord, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior, he'll come in. And that love of God will saturate you and encompass you and fill you. There will be no space left for anything except the love of an almighty God. Amen? That is knowing the love of God in you. But John isn't done yet. John goes on in verses 16 to 18 to talk about a second kind of experience we have. So not only can we know the love of God in us, but we can know the love of God for us. Notice what he says in verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. 
So John here reiterates the theme he's been carrying throughout this chapter, namely, God is love. But that love that's in us is for us because ultimately we see the truth of that on the cross. Because it's the sacrifice of Jesus that demonstrates for us the truth of the fact that God is for us. And if you notice in verse number 17, it says that our love is a perfected kind of love. That's verse number 17. Normally when we think of the word perfected, I don't know if you're like me, but you'd think of flawless kind of love or perfect love. God's love is certainly perfect. It's certainly flawless. But when he comes to abide in us and we get to abide in him, it's not flawless in the way we express it, is it? Some of us probably not as good as others, but we're not comparing ourselves to anybody. We're comparing ourselves to God. The word perfected here means to be made complete. It means to accomplish that for which something is intended. So when you're taking a trip to go somewhere and you reach your destination, your trip has been made complete. That's what the word perfected here means. Our love is being made perfect. And the fact that our love is being perfected, the truth of that is found in the fact that we don't have fear. Is that a true statement? So, praise the Lord. So, let's, let's poke on that just a minute. How many of you are afraid of spiders? Uh-huh. Uh, oh, yeah. Afraid of the dark? I was so scared of the dark growing up. It, you had, the sun had to be shining at full strength in the basement before I'd go down there. I was so scared of the dark. How many of you are scared of tomorrow? Yeah, but let's be honest. This is church. God sees you. How about fear of the unknown? Mm-hmm. And I'm not minimizing any of that, neither is John. But underlying all of those fears, according to John, is the fear of punishment. Specifically, the punishment that occurs on Judgment Day. You, you guys know that the Bible says that there is a day coming. There's a day coming at the end of time when Jesus Christ will come back as King of kings and Lord of lords. you believe that, church? That on that day, he sets up his kingdom fully and finally. And on that day, the books are open and every single one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we will have to give an answer for the things we have done in this life. And that day will be a dreadful day for some people. Because some people are going to receive judgment and rejection from God because they did not accept what Jesus has done for them. But what about you and me? What about for those of us who abide in Christ and Christ abides in us? What about us? What is it going to be like when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ? You know what John says? We don't have to fear. Do you know why? Because God's love is for us and in us that when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, God doesn't look at us with our sins because the atoning work of Christ has covered our sins. He doesn't look at us as sinners. He looks at us like Jesus. And so when we stand before Christ, guess what he does? He throws open up his arms and he says, Welcome home. Come on in. Well done. You are my child, you are my son, you are my daughter. Welcome home. What's the confidence that we have that that's what's going to happen? 
because God's love is for you and God's love is for me. Amen? Because we are God's children. The Bible says, what can separate us from the love of God? Church, what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing! Say nothing. 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 No height, no depth, nor anything in all creation, no angels, no darkness, no demons, no nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. What that means is, if you are in Christ and you make a mistake, guess what? You're still a child of God. I had to tell my son when he would make a mistake and he would run and hide and he would be afraid. I had to tell him, I had to tell him Jonathan, you, you may have consequences for what you've done, but you're always going to be my son. Church, I hope you heard you hear this. God is standing before you and telling, not me, God is standing before you and telling you, you are my son and my daughter. No matter what you do in this life, if you abide in me, you are always going to be my son and daughter. Nothing is going to break that relationship. It's forged in the blood of Jesus Christ, purchased for us on the cross of Calvary. Nothing is going to separate you from the love of Christ. Amen? Amen. And as we grow in that love God has in us and for us, that love grows and grows and, and it drives away fear and it drives away that fear of punishment and it perfects that love in us and we have confidence to know that Jesus loves me because the Bible tells us so. Amen? Amen. That's God's love for us. When I was growing up, I, I used to love reading the Sunday cartoons. We don't do that anymore these days. It's all online. And I used to love reading the Calvin and Hobbes uh, comic strip. Anybody know Calvin and Hobbes? Yeah? Six-year-old Calvin and his toy tiger Hobbes, who only came around when parents weren't around, but that's a different story. Calvin and Hobbes. And this but one particular comic strip is about Calvin trying to make some space in the garage, and mom's car is in the way, so they push the car out of the garage. The problem is he forgot to put on the brake, and so the car kept rolling down the driveway, across the street, and into the ditch. And of course, Calvin and Hobbes, they panic, and they go running and go hide up a tree. In the next frames of the comic, you find Calvin's mom looking out and seeing the car in the ditch and wondering where Calvin is. And so she goes hunting. And finally, in the last frame of the comic, she finds Calvin and Hobbes up in a tree. And she looks up and he says, Calvin, you can come home now. You can come home now. No, you'll kill us. We're running away, says Calvin. To which his mom says, I'm not going to kill you. I just want to find out what happened. Are you okay? Was anyone hurt? And Calvin, peering from the back of the tree, says, uh, no, no one was hurt. Nothing, was, nothing uh, was damaged. Everything is okay. And mom says, well, did the car hit anything? Calvin said, no, it didn't hit anything. It just ran across the road into the ditch. And that's when we took off. Well, mom says, well, the tow truck came by and pulled the car out of the ditch, and it has no damage, miraculously, so everything's okay. She puts out her hands to Calvin, and he, she says, you can come home now. And as Calvin peers around from the side of the tree, he says, okay, but first, let me hear you say, I love you. Let me first hear you say, I love you. Friends, maybe you're here today, and you're like Calvin, you're hiding. You've made a mistake, you've sinned, you've come short of God's glory, and you're afraid. 
You're like Adam and Eve who took the, apple, the, the, the fruit that God said not to eat, and yet you've taken it. Now you're hiding because you're afraid, and you've done everything you can to stay away from people, stay away from family, stay away from the church, stay away from God, trying to hide yourself behind everything that you can find in this world to hide behind. And yet, like Calvin, you're wondering, does God still love you? Can I tell you what the Bible says? God does. How do we know that? All you have to do is look at the cross. Because it's not just words that Jesus spoke, it's what Jesus proved on the cross. When he hung on three nails, bleeding from every side, for the thorn on his head, his back ripped open, blood coming out of the sides, blood everywhere. His blood, righteous blood, innocent blood shed for you. You don't have to look anywhere, you just look at the cross. Because the proof of God's love for you is the cross of Jesus Christ. Friends, you don't have to hide anymore. All you have to do is return to the place where you left Jesus and say, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. Take me back. And he will. He says to you, I love you. That's God's love for us. So God's love in us, God's love for us. And, and lastly, we come to, the God, to know God's love between us or through us. God's love between us. Verses 19 to 21 says it this way. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. So John has come full circle. He repeats the commandment that he's stated over and over in this letter, and that is, we are to love one another. But that foundation of loving one another is found in the truth of verse number 19. We love because what? He first loved. So you're asking, but when did that happen? Did it start when I accepted Jesus Christ as Savior? Is that when he first loved me? Nope. Is it when I was born that he first loved me? Nope. Is it when he died on the cross that he loved me? No. It's none of those. You know, when he first loved you? Before there were people on this planet. Before there was even a planet. Before there were anything in this universe. Before eternity passed, God would by himself, he looked across the span of eternity and he saw you and he saw me and he sovereignly chose to set his love on you. That's when he first loved you. That love that God sovereignly set upon us is what allows us and compels us to love. Friends, I hope you understand the, the truth, the mind-blowing truth of verse number 19. We love because He loved us. And because of that truth, because God has given us of Himself, He loves us in us, and for us, and now that love that God has for us allows us to love one another as he has loved us. And that's what verses 20 and 21 say, that we must love one another. It's tied all together. All of these verses we've read really tie together because God's love that's in us and for us, and as that love is being perfected in us, it cannot stay in our hearts, can it? It has to come out. It has to shine. It has to be given away. It cannot be made perfect if it's stored up forever in our hearts. God's love can't stay there. God's love has to come out. And that's what John says there. That if you love people 
that you can see. Sorry, let's try that again. If you love God, you cannot see, but can't love the people that are in this room. Look around. You know what John calls them? Oh, you got to say that a little louder. I know that's hard. If you say you love God you, that you cannot see, but cannot love the people you do see, John says you are a liar. If you don't like that word, take it up with the Apostle John when you see him next. All right? I didn't say that. But it's the truth. The truth is, if we can't love one another, then the truth is not in us, and the love of God is not in us, and we are not abiding in Him. That's hard to hear. It's hard to say. But that's the truth. What does that mean for us? That if you and I are abiding in Him and He abides in us and God's love is for us and that love is being perfected, the natural outworking of that is that we will be more like Jesus, more loving, more accepting, more hands and feet of Jesus kind of living than anything else. That's the way Jesus loved us. By the way, you realize that if the Spirit of God lives in us, Galatians chapter 5 says that the first fruit of the Spirit is love. It's the first fruit. It is a natural outworking of the fact that you are a child of God. <clears throat> Dr. John Stott said it this way. When God created fish, he made them for what kind of environment? Water. Are you sure? You don't sound sure. Let's try that again. When I was at the state fairground, when I was, gosh, a very small, I was probably um, Judah's age, when I got my first goldfish at the state fair. And I brought it home, and, 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 they, and they put it in a vase. My, my parents only had a small vase. It wasn't as pretty as that, va uh, that, that bowl, but imagine with me. Fish are meant for water. There's no question. That's where they are. God made their gills in such a way as to be able to take the oxygen out of the water. God made them perfectly for their environment to live in water. Imagine with me that that fish on the screen decided that today it wanted some freedom. You know, that bowl is constrictive. It's claustrophobic in there. I need to spread my gills a little bit. Let's pretend that it's sitting here and it decided because it wanted some freedom, it jumped out. Where is it going to land? It's going to land on that carpet. And that lust for freedom is going to end up for what in that fish? Death. So here's the question. Ready? If fish were, were made for water, what are you and I made for? If the environment that the fish thrives in and is free is in water, what environment are you and I made for that makes us free? You know what the Bible says? It's love. It's love. Listen to these words from Dr. Scott. He says, God made us for love like he made fish for water. He made us for love because he is love. And we are created in His image. He gave us the capacity to love and to be loved. And when we get away from that, we are like fish out of water. Our very identity is found in loving God and loving others. Is it a question? No. If fish are made for water, you and I are made for love. That's what gives us freedom. That's what the environment in which we thrive and we grow. And that's why Jesus went to the cross to help you and me learn to love again. And so John reiterates a commandment he's already given. And he reiterates it. It's the same commandment Jesus gave in John chapter 13 when he said, a new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also love one another. 
Folks, that's not the great suggestion, is it? It's the great commandment. That we are called to love one another. And then the next verse, verse number 35 says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have the right bumper stickers. Is that what it says? I know what it says. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you're wearing the right jewelry around your neck. I forgot mine, sorry. Is that what it says? Oh, I know what it says. Everyone will know you're my disciples if you've got the right wristband. Or you've got the right face mask that says Jesus on it. What does it say, church? By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you have... Oh, some of you aren't sure. Maybe another cup of coffee or two. Children, you're going to have to help our parents out a lot. Let me try this again. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have... Church, how are we loving? It's the forgotten virtue. We're walking through this letter because we have learned, we need to learn to love again. And if fish were made for water, we are made for love. To receive love and to give love. One songwriter says, a bell isn't, Bell's not a bell till you ring it. A song's not a song till you sing it. Love in your heart wasn't put there to stay. And love isn't love until you give it away. Love isn't love until you give it away. You know that's true. Because God so loved the world that he... He didn't give just a little piece, did he? He gave us everything. He sent his one and only son into this world for the express purpose of dying. And not just any old death, but the worst kind of death. Shedding every last drop of blood in his body. Why? Because he loved you and he loved me. Friends, that's what this is about. That as we experience the abiding love of God in us, and we learn to love, abide in him, and we experience the love of God for us, the natural outworking is that love comes out and gets shared amongst all of us, that everyone we come into contact with will get to see the hands and feet of Jesus, the love that Jesus had for us, that love come out and express itself in deed, in tangible, wonderful ways, because if you cannot see it and you cannot feel it, then it's not love. Love was meant to be given away. So maybe you're here this morning and that's not you. Friends, may I encourage you to come to know Jesus Christ by faith. To say no to your sin and to say, Lord, I am sorry for the things I've done in this life. I'm sorry for the sins, for the mistakes, for the things I've done. And I accept you as Lord and Savior. I accept your sacrifice. I accept you. Would you come into my life and take over? The Bible says the moment you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved and the Holy Spirit comes to live in you and he gives you that love that encompasses you that envelops you that surrounds you there will be no gaps left because his love will saturate you if that's you I'll be at the front of the service after the service is done I'll be at the front and I'd love to introduce Jesus to you I'd love to pray with you but perhaps you are here and you know Jesus Christ and I praise God for you but can I ask you church Brothers and sisters in Christ, how is our love? Is our love in our hearts and kept there under tight lock and key, or are we giving our love away? As I meditated on this passage during the week, I kept coming back to a song over and over again that the worship team is going to help us sing. But I want to read the words for you just so that we can hear it and think about it. 
Because if we're going to learn to love more and to be more like Jesus, then we're going to need less of us and more of him. Amen? And so those words really captivated me today. And it's the, it's the, or this week, and this is the words that we're going to say. The first verse says, you came to the world you created, trading your crown for a cross. You willingly died, your innocent life paid the cost. Counting your status as nothing, the king of all kings came to serve, washing my feet, covering me with your love. If more of you is, means less of me, church, what does it say? Take everything. Easy to sing really hard to do. Trust me, I know this week I struggled with it. Yes, all of you is all I need. Take everything. The bridge says, Oh Lord, change me like only you can. Here with my heart in your hand, Father, I pray, make me more like Jesus. Oh Lord, this world is dying to know who you are. Show us the way to your, you've shown, you've shown us the way to your heart. So Father, I pray, Make me more like Jesus. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to sing this song in just a minute. But I hope that that song ministers to you. That you would sing it as a prayer to our Father. That, Lord, I want to love like you. I want to be like you. That means a whole lot less of me. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that you didn't stay in heaven telling us you loved us, you actually came. And you came here. You lived among us. You laughed. You loved. You lived. And ultimately you died. But you didn't stay dead. You rose again just like you said you would. And because you live, we too can live. Because you didn't come into this world to make bad people good. You came to this world to make dead people live. And we are so thankful that you have made us alive in Christ. So, Lord, may that love saturate us. May that love fill us. May that love, love convict us. May that love convince us of the truth of your word. And, Father, if there's anyone here this morning, either watching online or here within the sound of my voice in this room, I pray that you, who, who love us so much, you would just continue to draw them to yourself. That today would be the day that you rescue them out of the kingdom of darkness and that you would bring them into the kingdom of light. That today would be the day of rejoicing both in heaven and on earth as another child is added into the kingdom of God. And Father, for all of my brothers and sisters, may we live to love. May the love that you gave us burst forth from our hearts. Make us more like you. And we'll be careful to give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.